The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to break down Eagles-Cowboys week. These two teams play on Monday Night Football this week in week three of your 2021 NFL season. Both teams at 1-1, one and one, a big matchup taking place in Big D. And joining me to talk about it in just a minute is one of my very favorite guests in the world, the great R.J. Ochoa will go through all of the matchups, the breakdown stuff that we're going to be keeping an eye on for this game. So uh, make sure you stick around for the next few minutes as we're going to have a great chat with uh, R.J. Ochoa about Eagles versus Cowboys coming up on Monday Night Football. Also, uh, in the next few minutes, uh, I'm going to be talking about we're taking a look back a little a little mini BGN memories of a game that happened 30 years ago with the Eagles in Dallas in week three. Back in 1991, uh, we'll go over some memories from that game coming up here in just a few minutes as well. And joining me to help break down Eagles-Dallas week, this big game coming up on Monday night, is podcast pal RJ Ochoa, manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys. He's the host of the podcast, The Ocho, and of course you hear him on the SB Nation NFL show, as well as the NFC East mixtape here on the BGN radio feed with Brandon Lee Galton every single week. Uh, uh, if, if I hope you haven't had your fill of RJ, because you're getting a little bit more of it here, and uh, absolutely the Cowboys guy to talk to uh, ahead of a big game like this follow him on twitter at rj ochoa rj what's going on pal good to talk to you again john it's great to be with you um i i have to say first and foremost yes i co-host the show with with blg every week on both the bgn and b2b podcast networks um obviously uh, a fan of michael kist uh in mm-hmm, certain capacities mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. my all-time favorite bgn radioer is john stolness nobody wow, will ever take the mantle crazy. That's crazy talk, but I appreciate uh, I appreciate the lies. But no, that's that's very kind of you to say, man. I I appreciate it, and you're my favorite non. My, you're really probably my, my one of my favorite football podcast guests that I have on at all. You know what I mean? Like this, because I, I I think we have a good back and forth here when we talk in Eagles Cowboys because it can get kind of it can get kind of contentious between Eagles and Cowboys fans sometimes. RJ, I don't know if you're aware of that, but there's a little bit of a rivalry between the fan bases. Yeah, you know. Um... <laughs> we uh we we kicked the hornet's nest that that was yeah. Nick Sirianni's t-shirt this week 
uh, on, on Twitter. And uh, I had a couple of tweets. I was feeling good. Had You know, my wife has discovered these diet A&W root beers that taste just like the real thing. And so I was uh-huh. all hopped up uh, yeah. and, and just kind of shot some tweets off. And uh, for the last couple of days, there have been Eagles fans just kind of popping up in my mentions every now and then reminding me how long it's been since the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. I mm-hmm. just my my challenge, mm-hmm. John, is get get some new material the the like mm-hmm. yeah oh man i bet you have to dust off the vhs thing like we've all made the joke you know like yeah, yeah let's yeah. just i'm challenging the creative minds of eagles fans is really what i'm trying to do well i i think that that's fair i mean you could you could switch it over to the fact you know the dvds weren't invented yet um right, you know you, sure. you could the, you could refer to it i mean did what what happened more recently the monica Lewinsky scandal or a dallas cowboys nfc championship game i mean that's that's a you know, it's up in the air there. So, you know, I think, you know, there's a whole bunch of different places that, that you can take it. You're right. I think it's a good I think it's a good challenge to Eagles fans. And uh, I encourage everyone uh, listening to uh, to take up that challenge and, and, and try and think of try and get a little bit more creative here as, as we're moving forward. I know RJ would appreciate it. So exactly. You know, like yeah. the Monica Lewinsky thing is great. You know, like like Maroon 5 didn't exist, you know, in yes. the Cowboys. something like that. You know, yes. let's let's put some context on it. Yes. You know, some meat on this bone. That's all. I, I mean, the drought is the drought. It's embarrassing. But, you know, at least make me laugh. The V. <laughs> VHS thing I've seen a thousand times. Right. Who wasn't born yet? Let, let's we right. we can we can roll down some names here. But um, but anyway, you know we got these two teams coming in here tied at one and one in the NFC East. Um, uh, both have taken different paths in getting there. Uh, the Cowboys lost Week One and uh, one Week Two. Nice win by you guys over the Chargers last week and Justin Herbert, fine young quarterback. The defense did a pretty good job against him uh, in that game. The Eagles looked uh, dominant against the Falcons in Week One, and we're finding out I think just how bad Atlanta is. And then uh, played the 49ers tough, but really blew that game, threw that game away, and. And, and lost one to the to the Niners in a game that I think really showed some of the inexperience and and uh, some of the warts with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts and some of the stuff that I expected to see from this team early in the season. You know, I wasn't expecting this team to be polished. A first-year head coach, a, a, a quarterback in his first full season, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make bad play calls. They're going to make bad decisions. It's baked into the cake for me here in, in 2021. But I guess, you know, both of these teams missed the playoffs last year. Ne- neither team finished with a with a winning record, but the approach for the Cowboys this season, this is obviously a win now season for, for Dallas, right? I mean, you've got Dak Prescott, you've, you've got you've all these different, uh, all these different guys on, on offense. Like this is, this is not a building year for Dallas. This is a win now year for Dallas. So how, how do you feel the first two weeks have gone for, for your Cowboys so far? Well, you know, um, the, the first two weeks always seemed something like, like, like a, a period where the Cowboys had to get one win. It was obviously going to be difficult to, to beat Tampa, certainly on opening night. Uh, I think that's a challenging environment regardless of, of time and place. Uh, but uh, the fact that it was the first game with fans, right? Like you had yeah. this very particular detail that had never existed before in NFL history with the return of, of an entire fan base to a stadium. And so, you know, the fact that the Cowboys beat, you know, didn't beat them, but obviously came really close. I think there were a lot of people that felt better after that game than honestly felt after the way they they beat the Chargers just because there were a lot of fireworks on that first Thursday night. Um, but after that, you know, everything kind of fell apart for the Cowboys. The Friday after they lost to the Buccaneers, Michael Gallup was announced to have a calf strain out three to five weeks. Lyle Collins was suspended for five games. The weekend passes and, you know, everybody enjoys the Red Zone channel on Sunday. And then Monday hits and Zach Martin, who didn't play that first game, activated off the COVID list. So everybody's feeling great. But Randy Gregory's placed on it. So you're all bummed. And then Demarcus Lawrence breaks his foot. Uh, Donovan Wilson, Cowboy safety, had a groin issue and looked doubtful. Uh, 
Ty Inseki, Cowboy swing tackle, one of the options to replace Lyle Collins, had heat exhaustion last week and, you know, was ruled out of that game. So there were a lot of, you know, things that just kind of felt like, man, this this season feels really doomed. And so for them to go beat the Chargers on the road, not exactly a hostile environment, as we all know, the Chargers don't exactly boast an incredible fan base at, at their particularly, you know, home stadium. But yeah. um, it, I thought it was impressive, you know, all, all of the players that the Cowboys were without. And I thought it was impressive that they found a different way to win. Granted, they didn't mm-hmm. win in week one. Uh, but Kellen Moore has has been so impressive. Obviously, a candidate to be the Eagles head coach uh, back in the offseason. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but Kellen has has thrown two different games uh, at the Buccaneers and the Chargers, and that's really inspired a lot of obviously confidence and optimism and Micah Parsons what he did defensively for the Cowboys so it's been not a rocky ride but there's there's been a lot to kind of absorb in the time (laughs) period that these these two games have happened even now you know Carlos Watkins and Dorrance Armstrong were ruled out of this game on Monday night Mm. Keanu Neal's on the COVID list I mean it it just feels like the Cowboys are continually behind the eight ball but uh, it does feel like this is the part of their schedule that's starting to soften up you know all due respect to the Eagles because after this they get the Panthers who've now lost Christian McCaffrey and JC Horn at least for those yeah. two for that game then the Giants I mean so this it was it was not necessary but it would have been nice to have been one and one at this point to hopefully start a nice little run here yeah, and, and you mentioned it. Uh, I, I wanted to get into the injuries a little bit here because, uh, you know, the, both teams are dealing with some injuries now because uh, on the Eagles side, uh, we're finding out Jordan Mailata is most likely not going to play on Monday night. So Andre Dillard is going to have his hands full with, with Micah Parsons. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him get some help, uh, a lot of help over there on, on the left side of the offensive line. And, um, you know, you, you're going to be without, uh, obviously, Brandon Graham is out for the season. Brandon Brooks is not going to play in this game. So, uh, so, so the Eagles have some injury issues as well. Well, but I, I feel like the the Cowboys' uh, laundry list of, of injuries are a little bit uh, a little bit worse. And to me, I think you know most of them are on the defensive side. But the big offensive injury, not having Michael Gallup in there. I, Michael Gallup tends to do a number on the Eagles. He always seems to come up with a with with a big game whenever whenever these teams match up. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is your best defensive player, more than likely. That's probably the the biggest uh, the biggest um, guy you're missing here. But uh, outside of him, Michael Gallup, number two. I mean, how 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 hard are these injuries going to be for Dallas to overcome? You know, Demarcus Lawrence certainly the biggest one. Um, although there is a contingency of Cowboys fans who don't appreciate him, he doesn't have a lot of sacks, so uh, that's you know low hanging fruit that people kind of can't get past. Um, and so, you know, people think, oh yeah, well, you know, we overpaid him, so you know, who cares? You know, he hasn't mm-hmm. done anything. Great, let's see what we're like without him. And now, the fact that the Cowboys did generate a pass rush against the Chargers has a lot of people feeling proud of themselves. Um, but you know. It was particularly tough last week for the Cowboys in that you know respect, given that they were down not just to Marcus Lawrence but Randy Gregory because he was on the mm. COVID list at the time. Randy Gregory obviously returning this game, which is a rising tide that lifts all boats. But the Cowboys down Dorrance Armstrong, who would have started obviously with De- Demarcus Lawrence still out. So I, I think it's it's mitigated by the fact that you know Micah Parsons exists and is this you know defensive baller. But you know there's no Keanu Neal to alleviate yeah. Micah Parsons' absence at the linebacker position. So the Cowboys are kind of chasing their tail in a number of different ways and you know nobody really expected that they were going to have to rely on the likes of Jalen Smith this year but that's been tested already you know here we are week Mm -hmm. three and it was tested last week and week two and and Jalen played well he's somebody who a lot of Cowboys fans have really soured on Um, offensively though you know I don't think there is 
there's a concern of a drop-off the way there is defensively. Not to take away from Michael Gallup, who isn't a contract year, by the way, but because of the fact that the Cowboys have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, and their two tight ends are both playing well in Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin, and that Tony Pollard has come along, and that Dak Prescott just always finds a way, I think people just have this more natural trust that that side of the ball will work itself out. And there are more guys. You're like you said. I think to kind of pick up from from Michael Gallup's absence. Let's talk about the offensive side of things. You know, how has Dak Prescott looked to you through these first two games? Obviously, had great numbers in the Week One loss. Then obviously led his team to to a win uh, last week. Uh, does he look fully healthy? And if he doesn't look fully healthy, how's he compensating? I think he definitely looks fully healthy. You know, Mark Schofield, who I know does a show for you guys here on BGN Radio, mm-hmm. uh, does a series for us called Dak Watch every week where he breaks mm-hmm. down what, what Dak has done. And uh, the first week was remarkable. You can watch those on the Block on the Boys YouTube channel. And I, I mean, Dak exceeded any expectation that I had for him in week one. And, you know, everybody was so concerned again about, well, they only ran the ball 12 times. And, you know, I don't think I, I certainly didn't think that Dak would throw the ball over 40 times, let alone almost 60. Uh, but so from a health perspective, he's fully right, fully good to go. You know, this past week against the Chargers wasn't his, you know, most incredible performance statistically, but the, the game script just didn't call for that. The Chargers could be had in the run. And that's where Kellen yeah. Moore kind of, you know, aligned himself and aligned the the offense's game plan and so Dak looks I, I hate to sound hyperbolic and, and I know that I'm, I'm guilty of you know ridiculously hyping up Dak but he really <laughs> does look you know like the best version of himself you know um, and I, I do hate when people cherry pick like the greatest moments of different players careers but I, I'm gonna do that now um, <laughs> in 2014 a season that, that I hold near and dear to my heart uh, partly because of the way it ended for the Eagles but um <laughs> You know that that was Tony Romo operating at the height of his powers from a month from a mental perspective. He 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 finally it all clicked and he he understood everything and the way he operated at the line of scrimmage was just this really elite level that we had never really seen before from him. He mm-hmm. obviously had physical tools, but it all came together that season. And Dak has has reached that point already, and and he does have the physical assets that Romo didn't in 2014. And so the overall combination, the overall package that Dak is in 2021 is really remarkable. Remarkable, and and he really is the the straw that stirs the drink to use Stephen Jones's line. And I mean, again, I, I think he's willing to do what what the team needs and what Kellen Moore asks of him. And I think you know if if that's thrown in and airing it out and, and kind of going shot for shot with whatever the offense opposite of him might be, I think he's you know obviously able to do that and willing to do that. And I think he's one of the best people in the NFL at doing that. So, so Dak, obviously, we know the offensive weapons that he has at his side. Uh, C.D. Lamb threw two games this year. I, I, I don't know that he had a quiet rookie year last year, but he didn't explode in the way Justin Jefferson did last season. How has C.D. Lamb looked these first two games? Because, I mean, he's a, he was a monster coming out of college, and obviously Eagles fans were wringing their hands that we weren't able to move up and grab him last year. One of my favorite uh, things about C.D. Lamb is that uh, that he did not wind up in yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, but I can imagine. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, he did not explode like Justin Jefferson. But, I mean, he didn't even play five full games with Dak Prescott. I mean, he, he almost right. broke the Cowboys' rookie receiving record, in, you know, with that being the case. He had 947 receiving yards. And so, I mean, with a full season, especially the kind of trajectory the Cowboys run, I think that would have, you know, kind of stabilized towards the mean a little bit in 2020 but I think he would have had an incredible year you know certainly from a fantasy angle but um, I think the the hype and the narrative around him would have been different this offseason and CD looked so just 
like a veteran, you know, obviously he's he's literally one, but he looked like a receiver who'd, who'd been around for a long time in the opener against Tampa, and the mm-hmm. offense just kind of flowed in that direction. He did have, you know, everybody saw the Dak Prescott interception that was the tip ball. That was something that Mark did a great job of diagnosing uh, in his series that he does for us, and that was on CD. And CD really had kind of his worst game as a pro against Tampa, had a lot of drops, really rebounded last week against the Chargers, but right now he's kind of the guy. We, we've all, at Blog and the Boys at least, thought that this would be the season that he would cement himself as the alpha in the wide receiver mm-hmm. room and Michael Gallup's hurt right now Amari Cooper is on track to play on Monday night but is technically beat up with a rib injury and so CD is the guy he has you know I'm sure you're aware of this never played the Eagles with Dak Prescott as his quarterback so I do anticipate him to kind of have this moment because that's the way Cowboys Eagles works as you know where every Eagles yeah. fan is like oh my this this is why this is why we were yeah. afraid of this because yep. it's CD land with an elite quarterback yeah, and uh, we haven't seen that yet. You're right, uh, and it does make me nervous. I, I think, you know, with Darius Slay over there, I th- it's it's most likely going to be that those guys are, are matched up from from you know during the course of the game. But um, Darius Slay is is good, but you know he can be beaten by by a true number one wide receiver, no doubt about it. And that'll be an interesting matchup, I think, for these two teams too. I'm I'm curious as to what's going on at running back. Also, it looked like the um, the carry shares are, are starting to trend more in Tony Pollard's way. I mean, Zeke obviously is making all the money and Zeke has had a lot of big games against the Eagles over the years but you know Pollard looks like he's the guy who's got more juice is is Kellen Moore starting to starting to see that as well are we looking at more of a timeshare now between these two guys in the backfield you know this has been my favorite thing this whole week after the Chargers win because and and people like you John know that that Zeke has been not his rookie self since his rookie self, right? I mean, he's right. he's been a, a fine running back. You know, it's a terrible position to commit an absurd amount of money to. Um, and, you know, Kellen, I think, started to kind of gravitate. Not That's not the right way to put it, but started to incorporate Tony Pollard more late down the stretch last season. In fact, Zeke had to miss a game due to injury for the first time in his career last year when the Cowboys beat the San Francisco 49ers. Tony Pollard had a nice day in that game, and so that kind of got all the conversation started. But this is the first time this week that this has hit – kind of the national level where you know your your morning talk shows and radio shows have have discussed this topic and that's really interesting and I think we're just at that point in Zeke's career I don't think objectively there is any way that any person can deny that from a where, where your goal is to have success in the run game Tony Pollard is the better player there's no nobody can objectively deny that Zeke is without question a better pass blocker and I would argue the drop off from Zeke to Pollard in in the pass game as a blocker is more significant than from Tony Pollard to Zeke in the run game but you know the offense is far more efficient with Tony Pollard there's you know it doesn't take any deep statistical analysis to really yield that although if you do one it obviously shows those results and so I think that you know Kellen said something this week uh, when he was asked kind of what their disposition is he said it's to aggressively attack what defenses give them and I think that defenses are giving them opportunities for Tony Pollard to flourish and I think Kellen is kind of a path of least resistance guy and so he's going to take that low-hanging fruit there and um, so far it's it's bearing a lot of positive results but yeah I mean I don't think that the Cowboys are in any way shape or form going to return to Zeke being the 2016 guy that a lot of people still think he is. All right so give me one key matchup to watch when the Cowboys offense is on the field here RJ. Man, um, I think CD and Darius Slay is good just because it could swing the game, but that is a little bit um, of kind of low-hanging fruit, so I won't go that direction. I, You know, <laughs> I know you're scared of CD. I'm so always, 
always scared of Fletcher Cox. I mean, he's somebody who's mm. who's made this difficult. And you know, Tyler Biotish. There's I, I find this interesting too, John. There's so many like cosmic connections in this game. Tyler Biotish uh, was a Cowboys fourth round pick last year, who they traded up with the Eagles to draft actually. Mm-hmm. And Devontae Smith is only an Eagle because the Cowboys traded out of the ten slot with them and right. ult- ultimately landed at twelve. The Eagles original pick that they gave up a third round pick for the Cowboys to take to take Micah Parsons. So you have all these weird kind of would be things that wouldn't have happened if not for both franchises. Yeah. But but back to Biotish, he has been the least impressive center um, or, or offensive lineman, excuse me, for the Cowboys mm-hmm. this season. He's a second year player. I mean, he started five games so far in his career. So um, I know that that qualifier is hovering around with like Landon Dickerson right now as an example. But, you know, when the Cowboys drafted him, he came from Wisconsin, just like Travis Frederick in the year Frederick retired. So a lot of people were really quick to kind of just, you know, slot him in. He's going to we're just continuing along the, the lineage of Travis Frederick, and he just hasn't been that guy. And so I think Fletcher Cox can have his way with Tyler Biotish, which would make for a long Monday night. Well, yeah, I think that's uh, – and, and Javon Hargrave has also really outplayed Fletcher Cox uh, early here, all, all throughout the summer and in these first couple of games. Uh, Javon Hargrave has probably been the best player – on the Eagles for offense or defense. So um, middle of the, the middle of the defensive line against the middle of the Cowboys offensive line. Uh, certainly uh, some key matchups to watch there. Let's flip the script and let's uh, let's talk about uh, the Cowboys defense right now. And, and we talked about all the injuries that they're undergoing. Um, we've talked about Micah Parsons a bit, you know, obviously drafted as a linebacker. They've had to move him to edge rusher here. And uh, uh, by all accounts, looked like he looked like he had no problem making the transition last week. I think he saw, did he have like seven quarterback pressures last week at defensive end am I am I remembering that number right you are he was tied with Chase Young to put it in proper perspective yeah um wow I mean he has you know he has been what this is a weird way to put it, but what we thought CeeDee Lamb would be last year, because we thought, you know, obviously with Dak Prescott at quarterback, CeeDee will come in and just, again, you know, superstar right away. And mm-hmm. the season broke for the Cowboys, so we never really saw that. But Micah has looked just like that. He's, without question, the best defensive player on the team. I think that might even be true when Demarcus Lawrence is healthy. Um, he's just come in and kind of changed the MO of the group. Mm-hmm. And Dan Quinn has gone a long way in that regard, too. I'm disappointed, John, you didn't mention that the Cowboys defense leads the NFL in takes this season I mean I just hadn't gotten to it yet RJ (laughs) I was itching to to, to give you that uh, to give you that bouquet man I mean it's it's been weird and some of those takeaways (laughs) have been a little fluky Um, Leonard Fournette tipped a pass in the opener you know Tom Brady threw a Hail Mary attempt in the opener at the end of the first half things like that but you know they, they do count and so it's it's been strange it's been strange to see the Cowboys kind of take advantage of opportunities last season through the first four games the Cowboys offense started a possession on the positive side of the 50 yard line once throughout the mm. entire first four games of the season they've already done it I think three times so far through half of that amount so um, things are are positive in that direction and Dan Quinn has has really you know again the bar was low but really Really made an impact early on. And by and conversely, the Eagles have had no turnovers here through the first couple games of the season. But uh, as we all know, turnovers can sometimes come in bunches. And uh, like you said, a little fluky every once in a while. So, But they moved Micah Parsons to defensive end. Um, what kind of a hold does that leave in, in the linebacking core? Because I, I, linebackers have always killed the Eagles uh, with the Cowboys. And, and the Cowboys, generally speaking, have always had a good collection of linebackers. But with Parsons moving to defensive end, uh, what, what, how are the Cowboys uh, making up for it at the linebacker spot. Well, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch obviously had uh, an incredible rookie year against the Eagles specifically. Um, yep. I believe his first career interception actually came against the Eagles in that, that game in Philly. But um, 
you know, so obviously the Cowboys relying on him, but I don't think any Cowboys fan is panicked by that. Leighton's always been a good player when he's been healthy, uh, but now Mike is there. They, they declined his fifth-year option, so, you know, that just kind of is what it is. But what it has done, you know, moving Micah, that is, is, is forced the Cowboys defense to rely on Jalen Smith, and that is a terrifying proposition. And <laughs> um, I know that nationally, I think, and this might not be Eagles fans, but, you know, I don't know, maybe Vikings fans or, or people that just kind of casually tune in to, to you know, the Cowboys or the NFCs, they see Jalen, you know, he, he's in the Madden commercials and things like that, and so they think he's really good. He might be the worst player on the team, you know, generally speaking. <laughs> um, but the Cowboys paid him, and, you know, it, that is what it is. But kind of like Zeke, that, that's what's been impressive about the team overall this year is they haven't played their big-time contracts the way a lot of teams tend to do. They've they've really kind of made it a true meritocracy, which is cool and, and sounds cool. But, uh, but Jalen, to his credit, you know, when he was relied upon more last week against the Chargers, played well. And I just I would bet that that's not sustainable. I think if the Cowboys can be had in any direction, it is attacking Jalen Smith defensively. I mean, he's he's always done well in certain fans' minds by uh, racking up tackles, and that's kind of I think every fan base has a, a player that they stand for for no reason. And Jalen is that dude, and they people love to talk about how he led the NFL in tackles last year, despite the fact that he blew just about every coverage that he was assigned mm-hmm. to. So if the linebacking core is uh it has been weakened a little bit um with the with the loss of of Micah Parsons the secondary um still has some still has some issues there as well and uh you know I'm still not sure what the Eagles have in in their trio of receivers I think uh, Devontae Smith was very quiet last week but um he he got open a few times and Jalen Hurts just missed him so I think you you could have seen a big game from Smith last week if Hurts had been able to get him the ball and just weren't able to make it work and um, we saw uh, Jalen Frager score a touchdown, but stepped out of bounds <laughs> as he ran his route. He's the most infuriating player uh, on this team since Nelson Aguilar. So really, since last year, um, and, you know. And I think you know with the, with Quez Watkins had a, has had some spa- splash plays. I'd like to see him get a little bit more run out on the field. I just come. Where do you? How do you see the matchup between the Eagles wide receivers and the Dallas cornerbacks and, and secondary? Because, you know, I I don't really feel like I can adequately take a look at that matchup and know which way it's going to go because I, I don't know what we have in the Eagles receiving core. So I'll say this, that the Cowboys have one DB in general that I, you know, don't lose sleep over and it's Trayvon Diggs who's obviously in his second season uh he's had an interception in each of the first two games this year and he has never not had an interception in a game against the Philadelphia Eagles uh picked off Carson Wentz Mm -hmm. twice and and Jalen Hurts once and so um in fact all of his interceptions his rookie year came against the Eagles but um, by the way Carson Wentz is not an Eagle anymore I I mean no I I I think he should forever be cemented in in franchise history (laughs) is, is my opinion but yeah um but so, you know, if if the battle is my, – my idea would be Trayvon, shadow Devontae Smith. Devontae terrifies me. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and so he, he might be, at least in my assessment, the most talented player, uh, maybe on the Eagles in general, but certainly on, on the Eagles offense. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm, I am interested to see how Jalen Hurts continues to progress. But, um, you know, I think that the Cowboys would, would do best to kind of neutralize him in that sense. But the Cowboys' other starting cornerback is Anthony Brown, who they got in the sixth round in 2016, the same draft that you Dak and Zeke and unfortunately Jalen Smith and he's been a fine 
journeyman, but you know he has been destroyed early on this season by several different Buccaneers, several different Chargers, and so that's where the Cowboys also can be had. I think you know, and and I think that maybe you know this could be a Jalen Rager game just because he draws Anthony Brown. Anthony has has not been good in any capacity. Dan Quinn tried to cape for him after Week One, saying uh, his safety help blew it, and, and he was kind of left on an island. But but that's just Anthony Brown. He he can definitely absolutely be had, and so you're right. I think Quez Watkins is talented enough that where you know the Cowboys can only devote Trayvon Diggs one place and if it's Quez Watkins against Anthony Brown I don't like Anthony's odds in that particular matchup you know it's kind of funny I I I think um this is a game where the Eagles are going to probably throw the ball they should have thrown the ball more last week against a 49ers secondary that was a little bit suspect I uh, I'll be on I'll be also be interested to see how Nick Sirianni bounces back from a, a really bad play calling week against San Francisco and and one of the things that we've seen so far with the Eagles is and this is maybe specifically just because Jalen Hurts is a young quarterback but um, nothing in the middle of the field right now for the Eagles offense I mean every, everything is outside the numbers and and they're it's either either chucking it long or they're keeping it within like six or seven yards this feels to me like a Dallas Goddard game you know where mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard's got to kind of take control and he's had big games against Dallas in the past and, and we don't know if Zach Ertz is going to play he's on the COVID-19 list but as, a, as somebody who's been vaccinated if he has a couple of negative tests 24 hours uh, apart he can play on Monday night so they might have Zach Ertz there as well but this feels like a game where the Eagles should really maybe not be in 12 personnel, but be looking for those tight ends in the middle of the field because that's an area of the defense that they just haven't exploited yet. And I don't know if that's because of game script, because of what defenses have been giving them, or because Jalen Hurts isn't comfortable throwing there. But uh, Dallas Goddard, the tight ends against the linebackers and safeties, is a matchup I would definitely exploit if, if I'm Nick Sirianni. Give me a matchup to watch when Dallas is on defense for you. Well, I would say Quez Watkins against Anthony Brown. To kind of piggyback, I would add, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas. I think Dallas Scott will be open for seven, eight yards a clip just because that's that's the Jalen Smith way. But Jalen will tackle him every time, and every Cowboys fan will tell us that, <laughs> uh, that he's great. But I think, you know, beyond that, I, I mean, I, I know that people are, you know, I, I, I think – there is this national perception that the Cowboys offensive line is still elite. And I think that that still exists a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line and not to take any shots at it, but obviously not what it, what it was at its, in its heyday. Uh, but I think there are a lot of Eagles fans probably panicked about this. It should be mentioned. The Cowboys again are down Demarcus Lawrence. They're down mm. Dorrance Armstrong, his backup. They're down Carlos Watkins, one of their defensive tackles. Randy Gregory's coming back from his first game off the COVID list. They're playing their first round linebacker at edge rusher for the second time in his third NFL game I mean so that 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 can be had I mean you know Mm -hmm. I know that Jalen Hurts you know in week one at least I think had the lowest average depth of target of all quarterbacks I mean you know I I don't know that I think he's going to have time in the pocket at different times and so I think it will be critical for the Cowboys to generate a lot of pressures for Micah to have that superhuman game again because otherwise I mean Anthony Brown will leave somebody open Jalen Smith is Mm -hmm. too slow to even run step for step with Dallas Goddard and so if the Eagles offensive line can can buy that extra you know quarter of a second half second I do think it makes a big of a, a big difference generally speaking but in this matchup specifically because the Cowboys are so down and so I mean I hate to be cliche and say the trenches but I mean it really can come down to that this week given the state the Cowboys are currently in yeah, I, I, I'm more confident with Landon Dickerson taking over for Brandon Brooks uh, than I am Andre Dillard over there at left tackle. That That's that's what gives me nightmares. And thankfully, uh, Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback, and he likes to roll to his right. So uh, you might see a lot of designed rollouts to try and get some pressure um, away from Andre Dillard. But 
Um, this is uh, that's the, that's a scary matchup for me uh, if I'm an Eagles fan. Uh, is, is is you know how's Andre Dillard going to deal with uh, the left side of the Dallas defensive line? So, all right, prediction time here, RJ. Uh, Monday Night Football: Eagles in Dallas taking on the Cowboys. Uh, two teams that uh, still we're not really sure exactly uh, what we have in in these two squads. I do think Dallas is the better team uh, right now. Before the season, as you know, I think we had a quick Twitter conversation about this. I did pick Dallas to go back to its first NFC championship game um, uh, since uh, for the first time since uh, NASA was actually still sending spacecraft well into, uh, into outer space. So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, this is a season where Dallas is just kind of due. Dak Prescott's kind of due. It's been it's been a really long time since Dallas ha- has gone on a little run here in the postseason. So that's that was my preseason prediction. However, um, I, I'm feeling pretty good about the Eagles chances here on Monday night. And, and you know, full disclosure, I picked the Eagles to lose the first two weeks of the season. So uh, Johnny Homer, I'm usually not. But how do you see this thing shaking out? You know, uh, I appreciate the transparency and the creative humor. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I've, I've picked the Cowboys to win 33-17. But I do think that that um, will kind of be stretched out. I think there might be a, a kind of fourth quarter final touchdown, you know, with, with just a little bit of change outside of the two-minute warning to go that kind of puts it, you know, uh, to the point that the box score doesn't reflect a really contentious game. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I think it could be a game that doesn't get out of hand but gets gets kind of solidified. You know, say the Cowboys win the toss, they defer, and they get the opening position to start the second half. I, I could see them going down and scoring. Maybe they, you know, that position starts with them up seven, up ten, and they just go really kind of announce, okay, this is going to be a long half for the Eagles. And then, you know, they, they have been a little bit fortuitous in the turnover department this year, so it's hard to, to bank or counter or predict luck, uh, but, but that's kind of been on their side. And so the, at the end of the day, the Cowboys' defense is is suspect obviously and and I know that there are a lot of suspect things on the Eagles but at the end of the day the the best player on the team or on the field for either team is Dak Prescott and so I'm inclined to trust that so I've got the Cowboys winning and I do want to say I mentioned this to BLG uh he poo-pooed it but I wanted on the record that I think (laughs) that Nick Sirianni is trying to start a trend John I think he's trying to get this highlighter on the visor thing (laughs) <laughs> That's that is bad vibes to me to, to use no, a BLG no term because yeah. it, it it is too uncomfortable to believe yeah. that that is like, you know, from a, a perception or, or, or perspective of practicality. I really believe it is his version of Matt Patricia's number two pencil. And, and like Nick Sirianni wants people in Philadelphia dressing up as him for Halloween, putting the mm-hmm. highlighter in mm-hmm. the visor. That's a bad sign, in my humble opinion. No, I, I don't disagree with that, you know, and, you, you know, what we don't need highlighters in this day and age, you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what do you need the highlighter for, first of all? So, yeah, I and and the pandering from, from Nick Sirianni, listen, I, I give the guy full marks for trying to, for, for, for trying, to, because, you know, here in Philadelphia, we want everybody to be one, hashtag one of us, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I do, I do appreciate it. We're, we're pushing it a little far. I, I think just, just, you know, you just do you, Nick Sirianni. You don't have to do us. Just, just do you. I mean, I beat Dallas. I mean, if he was really going to do it, he'd, he would be, he would have a Dallas sucks T-shirt on instead of beat Dallas. That's that's where the true Eagles go when when they're breaking out the and and frankly, you know, if you, if you're into the R-rated T-shirts, there there are some other alternatives as well. But um, this is a family podcast, so we're not going to go there. Right. Um, 
I will say, John, um, as somebody who has bought the, you know, when you go to a game, they have the the like matchup T-shirt, you know, what I'm talking about. I uh, do. I've bought those and then had the Cowboys go on to lose, you know, so yeah. I've, I've learned that lesson. And all I'll say is yeah. th- this is a bold move from Nick Sirianni, but it you is. Know, should this go at least the way I've predicted, um, that's a that's a bad meme waiting to happen. You know, like, no, you can't, if you're an Eagles fan, you can't wear a beat Dallas shirt if if the Eagles lose this particular game. You know, he's he's ruined yeah. that shirt. Yeah. I, I can't we we're we have a meeting of the minds on this one. I can't disagree. <laughs> These are the important issues that, right. that need to be discussed here uh, on Eye on the Enemy on Eagles Dallas week. And and it's uh, it's going to be discussed on on uh, on blogging, uh, blogging the boys. So make sure you check out everything going on over there. Uh, check out all the all the podcasting stuff that RJ is doing. A prolific podcaster for the uh, podcast, the Ocho and the SB Nation NFL show, the NFC East mixtape and all the other podcasts that he appears on as a guest. Um, with his uh, never-ending podcast appearances. Follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. RJ, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Of course, John. You're the best. Go Phillies. Well, up next, before I give you my prediction on the game coming up on Monday night, let's hop in the Wayback Machine and do a quick BGN Memories, a game that took place 30 years ago when the Eagles went into Dallas in Week 3. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. And that music you hear is the theme to BGN Memories. And no, this is not a BGN Memories podcast. Uh, uh, I would have liked to have gotten one of those out this week, but just didn't have the time to make it happen. So we're going to bring a little BGN Memories here to Eye on the Enemy as we take a look back at the year 1991 uh, when the Philadelphia Eagles went into Dallas for a Week 3 matchup just like this. Uh, the Eagles going into Dallas uh, in Week 3, and they were 1-1 one one that year, too. And I believe Dallas was also 1-1 one one heading into that game. Um, this was a game that has lived in Eagles lore for three decades now, one of the great games from the Rich Kotite era. I wonder how many people think of this game, and they think it's from the Buddy Ryan era, but it's actually from the first season of the Rich Kotite Bud Carson Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, this is when the Eagles went into Dallas against second-year quarterback Troy Aikman and destroyed that team 24 to nothing behind a dominant performance from the D that year. And uh, in this game, they, of course, is this is the game where they sacked Troy Aikman 11 times. And we're going to go through all of the great little nuggets and notes from this game uh, over the next couple of minutes. Uh, Jim McMahon got the start in this one for the injured Randall Cunningham, and they got on the board quickly. Drew a set, got up to a 17-0 lead in the second quarter. Uh, McMahon found Fred Barnett for a touchdown in the first score of the game to put him up 7-0. Fred Barnett had a big game here. Really the only offensive player on either team to have a big afternoon, but 
Uh, he caught seven balls for 111 yards and a touchdown. Uh, McMahon, when they were up 10 to nothing, hit Barnett for another big play, a 45-yard pass play down to the Dallas one-yard line that put the Eagles up 17 to nothing in the second quarter, and Philly was on its way. Troy Aikman had maybe the worst game of his career. This was... He, he was good in his second season, but this was the worst game of his career, even worse than anything we saw from his rookie season. And he played his whole rookie season and was brutal in his rookie season. Uh, he threw three interceptions on the afternoon. Seth Joyner had one of them. Rich Miano intercepted Troy Aikman twice. And you got to imagine that when Rich Miano goes to barbecues, when he goes to parties, when uh, he watches football games uh, with his family at home and he hears Troy Aikman on the call, he could say to his family and friends, you know, I picked off Troy Aikman twice in that 11-sack game back in 1991. That's not a bad thing to be able to do if you're Rich Miano and you're just living your life now, three decades later, able to say that you intercepted a Hall of Fame quarterback twice in one of the greatest Eagles games of all time. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, on the on, In the first half, Troy Aikman, four for ten with three intersection, interceptions in the first half. And... Uh, things would not get any better for him. He was sacked, like I mentioned, 11 times in the game. Now, uh, Clyde Simmons was the guy who racked up most of these sacks, recorded a then-Eagles record four-and-a-half sacks in this game. Jerome Brown added another two-and-a-half sacks, with Mike Golick getting two sacks, Mike Pitts getting one sack, and Reggie White. Uh, with, with the team getting 11 sacks, pretty shocking that Reggie White only got one of those sacks. But Reggie White impacted a lot of those sacks that Clyde Simmons got and Jerome Brown got by providing a lot of pressure off the edge and uh, forcing Aikman into really no man's land, having to step up in the pocket where uh, his defensive tackles were waiting for him or having him move to his left because Reggie White was in his face and uh, Clyde Simmons just waiting there with open arms to, to gobble him up and throw him down to the ground. So the Eagles, 11 sacks, a team record 11 sacks in this one. Clyde Simmons with an Eagles record, four and a half sacks. Jerome Brown, two and a half. Golick with two. Mike Pitts with one. And Reggie White with one. The, the, the Eagles' dominance of the Cowboys in this game was overwhelming. The Cowboys had 90 yards of total offense. Almost 24 minutes went by in this game before Dallas was able to manage a first down. And the Cowboys could not cross midfield on their own until the final two minutes and 43 seconds of the game when they were mounting one last furious rally to get into the end zone. Uh, they, it was their, their 90 yards of total offense was a franchise worst. Uh, the previous low uh, was 100 yards set the year before when they went 1-15 against Phoenix, uh, the, the then Phoenix Cardinals. Uh, the Cowboys entered the game as the NFC's leading offensive team through the first two weeks of the season, but that was not the case in this one. They gained only 39 yards in the game until that final desperation drive to the Philadelphia 9 with 36 seconds left, and they, of course, were not able to punch it in. They had 39 yards of offense until that final drive in the fourth quarter. Uh, this was at a time in this rivalry when the Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys relentlessly. The, the script had flipped. It went, you know, there was a, a solid decade and a half where Dallas won every single game against the Eagles. But once Buddy Ryan came on board, things changed dramatically, and the Cowboys were going through a rebuild during this time as well. The Eagles, this was their eighth straight win 
for the Eagles over the Cowboys. These were the salad days, guys. Uh, Troy Aikman finished 11 of 25 on the day for 112 yards, three interceptions, 11 sacks, and a 17.8 quarterback rating. Emmett Smith had just 13 carries for 44 yards in this one. Jim McMahon, meanwhile, had a solid game at quarterback. 18 of 29 for 207, two touchdowns, and a 106.5 rating. So lots of good feelings after this one. Even without Randall Cunningham at quarterback, you just felt the defense was so good that, that, that this Eagles team could still go on a run if Jim McMahon could stay healthy. Of course, as we know, Jim McMahon was not able to stay healthy during the course of the season. And uh, guys like uh, Brad Gable and uh, Jeff Kemp and um, Ken O'Brien, the, the you know the rotting corpse of Ken O'Brien, uh, made starts for the Eagles at quarterback. They just they could not find signal callers to to help them win games, and the offense was just absolutely brutal. And of course, the Cowboys did get revenge for this loss in Week 16, as the two teams who were both at nine and five battled at Veterans Stadium with the winner guaranteed a spot in the postseason, the loser guaranteed a spot out of the playoffs. It, it was essentially a playoff game. And Dallas ended up winning 25-13. to 13. I think the Eagles led in this one 13-11 uh, to 11 at one point before Dallas scored 17 points uh, in the fourth quarter. Or was it? No, it wouldn't have been. It would be 13-8. to 8. Or maybe it was like uh, uh, the Eagles led 10-8, to 8, I think it was at some point. Whatever it was, it was uh, the Eagles had a very slim lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and Dallas pulled away. Uh, there was a big punt return for a touchdown by Kelvin Martin that really turned the tide in that game uh, as Dallas scored 17 points points in the fourth quarter to ice it. Jeff Kemp got the start for the Eagles uh, in this game, which explains why they ended up losing this one 25 to 13. The Eagles would miss the playoffs. Dallas would get in and then would uh, win a wild card game before losing to the Detroit Lions in the divisional round. But uh, the dynasty was born at this point. And uh, really the Eagles uh, time of dominating the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the last time they were able to say they were able to do that was in that week three game uh, back in 1991 when they sacked Troikman 11 times, but that is a uh, one of the great games in Eagles history that we like to remember fondly. So, um, looking ahead to Monday night, Eagles against the Cowboys. I, I feel more confident, like I was talking about with RJ, I feel more confident going into this game than I did the home opener against the San Francisco 49ers. To me, Jalen Hurts seems like a guy who is great one week and not so great the next week. And I feel like this is a guy who's going to bounce back this week. Uh, RJ mentioned a minute ago that the best player on the field is Dak Prescott, and that's one of the reasons why he's going with the Cowboys this week. When Jalen Hurts is on, I feel like he can be every bit as good as Dak Prescott. And I feel like I feel like Nick Sirianni is going to... He seems like he's a pretty self-aware guy. He was beating himself up pretty good this week about some of his play calls, and you don't want him to do that too much, but you just want to see him learn from mistakes and apply things differently. And I think he'll come up with a, a better game plan against Dallas. I think Dallas's defense is still extremely suspect. The big matchup I worry about, again, is is Andre Dillard on the left side um, against uh, Micah Parsons or whoever else it is they have over there. But the Dallas defense is banged up, and they really aren't a whole lot better than they were last year. Uh, I think the Eagles can move the ball. I think they've got to find a way to get Dallas Goddard involved in this game. They've got to find a way to get Devontae Smith involved in this game, and I think they will do that. Uh, the running backs uh, should be able to uh, make some hay once the, the passing game has softened things 
things up a little bit. Uh, and I think the defense will be able to hang in there. Uh, Jonathan Gannon has shown me something these first couple of weeks. I'd love to see the Eagles get some turnovers and some sacks. Uh, that is something we have not seen from this team in a few years with Jim Schwartz's crew and now um, this defense, which I don't think is as talented as previous defenses, especially with Brandon Graham out now, uh, Josh Sweat, uh, Derek Barnett, and... Um, uh, the guy, uh, Ray, uh, Ker- Kerrigan, uh, is gonna. They're gonna have. They're all gonna have to step up and and fill in the void, especially Josh Sweat. He's gonna have to play more. Uh, they're gonna have to get him on the field more. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan can't play more than Josh Sweat in this game. That just it just can't happen that way. Um, and Derek Barnett has to play like a first round pick. No more stupid penalties. Get to the quarterback. Make some things happen. Help out your defensive tackles, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, who are actually doing some real work this year. Hassan Ridgeway playing pretty well too, uh, here in the early going. So uh, I. I do think this is a game the Eagles will win. I think uh, they'll do enough on offense to, I think they'll put up some points on the board. Um, I think uh, the defense will be able to, like they have been doing, bend but don't break. Uh, I, again, hopefully they get a couple of turnovers, uh, maybe get uh, picked back off once or twice. But uh, I see the Eagles going into Dallas and taking care of business in this one, 28-24. Uh, to 24. I think this is going to be uh, a solid game for Jalen Hurts. And I think in this game, Jalen Hurts is going to be the best player on the field, not necessarily Dak Prescott. And I feel like the Eagles will move to 2-1 and one on the season uh, as they as they look to have a better season than I was anticipating before things got underway. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks again to RJ Ochoa for coming on the podcast. And don't forget to check out everything we're doing at bleedinggreennation.com each and every day as we take you up to kickoff on Monday Night Football. All the latest news and analysis and injury reports are all right there. And we got a slew of podcasts for you to listen to. We're got, we've got this game covered from every angle. Make sure to check out the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube page after the game for our live post-game analysis and uh, we'll be giving you the analysis all week long and previewing uh, next week uh, on, on the BGN radio podcast feed. So tell your friends about it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. BGN